What's up, everybody? You're listening to an episode of This Most Unbelievable Life. Yes! We're so glad you're listening. If you've been listening for a while, you know my voice. I'm Dr. Sherry Spiegel, and my co-host is my dear friend, Dr. Paul Fitzgerald. That's right, folks. I'm Dr. Paul Fitzgerald, and I'm happy to welcome you to Season 5 of the podcast. I'm honored to be here once again with my co-host, Dr. Sherry Spiegel, as we work to discover, along with you, our own most unbelievable lives. Thank you for listening. Yes. Hmm. Hey, Paul Fitzgerald. Hey, Sherry Spiegel. What's cooking? Nah, nothing right now. It's not cooking time. It's talking time. It's talking time. Cooking times later. That's right. Cooking yeah. times later. So, uh, hey, Sherry, what's talking? What's talking? Well, I was going to say that it's Tuesday, so later I'll be cooking tacos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Taco Tuesday. What's cooking over there? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. I, I got a couple of things down there. Um, we uh, stumbled into a preponderance of lettuce. So um, I think no matter whatever we have, there's going to be some, some lettuce involved with it, which could be tacos as well. Could be a taco salad situation. Could be a taco salad situation. That would be actually be quite nice. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I remember taco salads from like... I don't even know. I mean, this is before they called them taco salads. It's like we discovered this in fifth grade that on elementary school taco day, it's like it's also good if you just like smash it all up and eat it in a bowl, mm-hmm. you know, and no idea that this would be, you know, um, something, a concept, this taco salad that would sweep the nation, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not how many decades, years later, you know, but it's like, oh, well, you can just kind of smash it up and eat it with a fork. School lunches are such a weird thing to reminisce on. Like, well, you see, there was this one exciting day where they would give you chili, except they would shove it into a bag of Fritos. Yeah. Right. Yum. Right. Um, I have fond memories um, with elementary school of, of school lunches. Um, this was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But it's like, I'm, I'm very curious how this stuff would be now. So, um if if it's like if I went back and had like an elementary school taco or like the huge sheet pan pizza that we used to have or uh, the elementary school industrial chili that was just like, oh, yeah, man, it's chili day. Woo. Yeah. It's like, what would I think of this? And, you know, I can only remember maybe three or four things. It's like I knew we had a bunch of different stuff. Right. Um. But I don't remember that many of them. But some so, I do. Some I do. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, one of the, you know, one of the classics uh, from my school lunches were, you know, French fries that were always limp in a way that disturbed me. Yeah. Right. And then honey mustard that was an electric color. Right. Yeah. There's no way that that's like a not a chemical concoction right yeah i'm sure it must be i'm sure it must um be. but we also had these giant cookies we call we just called them big cookies yeah um did you have these in the fine parts I, of st I louis don't um it ain't ringing a bell i gotta be I, honest you know but yeah these i were, these were earlier times it's like this is before the pudding pops this is before the you know. Yeah. Well, I think that this is a kind of a deep creek thing. 
because um, it's something that me and the people I went to high school with and elementary school with, like, we all remember so fondly, but I don't know, whenever I talk to people who didn't go to our high school, they don't seem to have recollection of it. But it's this giant cookie that's, like, probably about four inches in diameter. It's a big cookie. It's a big cookie. And um, the outer ring was, like, super crispy, and the inside was, like basically underdone yeah that's tasty yeah that's good yeah um and a few years back we found a recipe online that replicated the big cookie perfectly um and so we posted it on facebook and like all of our high school friends were like oh my god i need this um totally like you know there was nothing healthy about the school lunches i consumed no oh no there wasn't um but you know now that I actually am thinking about this a little bit, um, what I'm recalling is like, I didn't eat the school lunch every day. Most days my mom packed a lunch for me, you know? And Hmm. so that's why I don't remember what a lot of them was. I think it's only on like the taco day, pizza day, chili day that, um, because it sounds like something very much like what my parents would do. Um, the frugal sort that they were, Mm-hmm. Was to say, you know, once a week you can, you know, you know, here's money. Once a week you can get a school lunch. Which day would you like to do it? And then we'd look at the month calendar of what's yep. going to be for lunch, and it's like, I want to do it on this day. Ooh, taco day, yeah, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, so most of the days I had a standard, a standard lunch, right? That was packed by my mom, and uh, there were there were two different versions of it. Really? Well, maybe there were three. Um, you know, the more I think about this, the more variety I need to stop complaining about my mom and the lunches she made. Actually, I had it pretty good. Um, a lot of times it was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Right. Uh, occasionally, um, she would would be a tuna sandwich, mm. right, but not that hugely often. Um, on occasion, it would be um, like a ham and cheese sandwich made with a, like super thin, like that ultra thin El Cheapo. Ham. Ham. Yeah. You know, with like a slice of American cheese or whatever on it uh-huh. on, with some bread and a, and you either an apple and a banana and she would get a couple of uh, cookies and put them in a Ziploc bag. And it's like I ate that four days a week, three days a week for 13 years. Yeah. And um, it's like that's why I don't remember too many school lunches is that I had – I mean, what am I going to do? You know, I'm going to get the school lunch on, like, fried fish day. It's like, why? Why would I? Uh, or, <laughs> or, like, stroganoff day. It's like, I don't think I'm going to go for that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I was a, your average kid back in the 70s and 80s. Pizza, tacos, whatever. Yeah, I would be all over that. Thanks for yeah. the sandwiches, Mom. Yeah. You know? It's – I think think my mom packed a lunch for us for a while, and it often contained a caffeine-free Diet Coke, Mm -hmm. a turkey and cheese sandwich that was always smushed by said caffeine-free Diet Coke, and then there might be like a chip or something like that, but... In high school, uh, she gave us money to have our lunch every day. And I, uh, wanting to be a person who had spending money, um, decided to never eat lunch so that I could have spending money. Yeah. Was that part of the part of the bargain or was um, that done on so the I sly? Ju- I just pocketed the cash. Yeah, that was and like kind just, of on the sly. 
hung around during lunch and every now and then i'd spend the 50 cents to get some fries like i was if i yeah, was really yeah, I was starving um sometimes i would just like i seem to recall eating some of my friend travis's fries a lot thank you travis mm. um yeah but i like and my brother used to always get really mad because i always had spending money and he would be like where'd you get this money i didn't eat lunch yeah that was my clever strategy. We, all, we, we can all make choices in this world, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, this, and this was mine. Mine was starvation. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, or so the that, alternative is that you're not starving and you don't have money to do anything with. You know, yeah. So. The other thing we would do is uh, our friend Paul uh, would pick us up to like to go to school and we would stop by the uh, 7-Eleven for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And so yeah. my breakfast would consist of a sur- a can of Surge and some sweet tarts. Fine. Breakfast. And you wonder why I wasn't hungry for lunch. Yeah, like, right. I was nauseated. Right? Yeah, right. Like, right. We had a, um, where I went to high school, there was a Wendy's down the street um, mm-hmm. that... Um, there's still conversation about this to this day, about whether or not this was actually condoned or not. But, you know, you, you could like blow at, at lunch and run down the street and grab something from Wendy's. I don't know if these tales are tales of, I don't, it's like, I remember doing that once or twice. I know the people used to do it. I don't know if we were like oh, violating a rule by doing that or if it was mm-hmm. actually okay though. It's like, I never recall doing it by walking out the front door though. So maybe that's a clue. <laughs> You know, it was always some like side door in the gym that I, you know, would go out. So maybe I shouldn't yeah. have been doing that. I don't know. Oh, wherever did we get our bad eating habits from? I have no idea, right? So but it sounds confusing. like we weren't done any favors. This is Ronald Reagan in his, you know, ketchup is is a vegetable, you know, uh-huh. policy in full in full form. Well, and you it wasn't, know, it wasn't it wasn't a meal unless there was meat, salty yeah. meat, you know, somewhere. Yeah. There. Well, and I kind of wonder. Um, you know, how that might have affected things like, oh, I don't know, cognitive development. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Putting this like, let's not think about it. But it's like, yeah, it makes you not want to think about things. It could yeah, be, well. you know, who we are today. How many nitrites and phosphates can you jam into one individual? But everything was fried. I mean, at high school, high school lunches, like everything was fried without exception, oh, yeah. without exception, you know, and. Yeah, I don't remember. It's like, well, there was an exception. It was the, you know, the greasy pizza that was, you know, you know, the the, the, the paper plate was transparent underneath it. So it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is when chicken strips started to be a thing, you know. So, I mean, yeah. there wasn't too much that didn't come out of the deep fryer in high school in one way or another. French fries included, which were great, you know, uh, because they tasted somewhat like everything else that had come out of the, come out of the deep fryer as well. I like I feel nauseated when I think of those french fries. Like oh, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, word yeah. that comes to mind uh is transparent and flaccid. Yeah, but I mean it was fries, there was I mean it was burgers, it was pizza, it was chicken strips, it you know all the usual suspect, maybe some token fruit, but who gets that? And there was a big rack of you know Frito-Lay chips down on the end. Mhm. And uh, a cash register on either side. And I mean, that was four years of that. Yep. And, you know, I did not eat often uh, those food stuffs. More often than not, you know, mom packed a lunch of either a peanut butter chili sandwich, you know, a tuna sandwich, or I didn't get tuna often, you know, or, you know, three slices oh. of extraordinarily thin, 
you know, sliced sliced ham from the local Aldi's or whatever and a slice of American yeah. cheese. And if I was lucky, she put some ketchup on it, which should never be done. Right. Ooh. Yeah. I um, I think I just always had a problem with eating a lunch that had been, you know, uh, of room temperature value for the day. Like, yeah. this tuna does not seem trustworthy. No, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um she would always get on my, my case, like, make sure you bring the bag back, you know, because mm. then she, she would, you know, just keep reusing the bag until it fell apart. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, nostalgia. What a trip down nostalgia lane. And so when I when I think about it, it's like, why do I have this urge to eat Pringles in the backseat of my car? Because it's like, because that's what I did for, <laughs> that's what I did for 10 years. You know, I ate potato chips in the back of the car. It's like, it's not, this stuff doesn't come out of the ether. It doesn't come out of yeah. nowhere. You know, this it's, is my this is my own history talking here, you know, yeah. and it's not like, oh, OK, you know what? Never mind. I'm not going to. It's like, oh, it takes serious force of will to change these habits. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them are culinary and some of them were birthed in fifth grade. Some of them are four years, day in and day out at high school. That stuff sticks. If you like it or not, that stuff sticks to this day. I love yeah. me some French fries, man. Uh yeah, cheap ass burger, absolutely. Ooh, greasy pizza, love it. And it's like, it's only a matter of time until that catches up mm-hmm. with with us. Me, I got about ten years on you, so you know. I'm... Narrator, he had yeah. twelve years on her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny though. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine last night about habits, um, and about habits that we have that like aren't. They're not exactly good for us, but they are comfortable. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Right? So, like, the Pringles in your car, not the best, but comfortable. Right? And I have, um, I think a lot of our, you know, we talked on this podcast about ways of being in the world. Uh Some of our habits are really ingrained ways of being in the world. Yeah, totally. That may not be... um, may not be good for us, but boy, are they comfortable, right? Like that's the idea of comfort food, I guess. It is. Yeah. I was going to say, right. It, it, it's, it sort of is. And, um, confession, I occasionally have been found to eat Pringles in my car. Um, <laughs> I think I've actually mentioned that before. Um, you have too. And for a while I was paying attention to it a little bit. Um, yeah. And it's like, when does this happen? When is this? Mm-hmm. When does this happen? Right? And road trip, and we're going to be in the car for two days. Well, of course. What are you not going to? Ha- I mean, I don't even count that as actual. Yeah, that's not even a data point, you know. But it would be like, yeah, on the way home from work, I would stop by the giant on the way home, and I would grab a, a thing of Pringles, and I would just like hang out in the parking lot for ten minutes, and just like eat some Pringles. It's like, and, and like think about shit from that day. So it's like, what's but at going that on? Point- yeah, what's going on here? You know, yeah, because at that point, you're not even driving. See, like the whole point of the Pringles is that they're convenient to eat and drive, but if you're yeah, but it was a driving, yeah, but it's not like when when I'm on a road trip, it's like I'll do the thing where it's like you kind of up in the can, and Mm -hmm. you know, that's not what was happening. So it's like it's it's not about that, it's not it's not convenience eating, it's not something that is that I do while driving, it's it's a habit that is satisfying what seems to be the most prescient need that I have. Um, whether it really addresses that need or not, 
yeah. we you, is a deeper conversation, but clearly it is in re, it's happening in response to something. And so, it's 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 the it's enough of the thing to do at the time to address that to make me stop and go into the store and buy them and go out in my car and sit there and eat, eat Pringles for 10 minutes. Interesting. So do you think because you also do this on when you're driving, right? And you mentioned that when you're driving, like on a road trip, right? It cues this like open thinking. Yeah, it can. Um, well, or okay. no, no, that's not how I want to say it. I want to say, so when you're on a long road trip, right? Like, I don't know about you, but like on a long road trip, when I'm driving, I can get a lot of really good thinking done. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. And so part of me was wondering if, because you mentioned you'll sit in the parking lot and think, does the, do the Pringles like associate yourself with that like open road thinking of like, push out everything else and just allow your your brain to have open Paul time. I, I wish it was that. Uh, <laughs> You're like, that I, sounds I like it a was, good narrative. Yeah, I wish it would be fantastic if it was. I don't think it is. I think it's stress eating is what it is. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, I think I think it's a, a stressful day followed by the neurological jolt of salt and crispy, crunchy, cheap stuff from a grocery store that might go back to you know how this was dealt with in elementary in high school it's like oh mm -hmm. man having a shitty day oh man ooh pringles ooh fritos ooh doritos oh man i love some doritos right and yeah. it's like this association of what's going on in my head what's going on in my body and you know not having appropriate ways to voice needs or stress or whatever it is and Ooh, crunchy, salty chips. Yeah, <laughs> all seems to sort of crash land in a in a in a can of you know salt and vinegar Pringles in the backseat of my car. Yeah, it's interesting because when when I need comfort food, like I think some people are like, ooh, comfort food, macaroni and cheese, salty chips in my car. For me, the ultimate comfort food hmm. is um, a club sandwich. Well, that's interesting. That's a little more complex. Uh -huh. It's because I, th I think, and I'm, I think the main reason is that I associate it with a place called Long's Deli, which was walking distance to my house mm. uh, when I was growing up. And I think my mom's best friend, Patty, would a lot of times, like, when I was having a hard time, I think I would go there and eat a club sandwich with her. Mm. Um, and then... Um, I think I kind of continued that practice, I guess. Um, but then when Eric um, was really sick with um, the first time he had a flare-up from Crohn's disease, uh, for about six months, the only thing I could get him to eat were was grapes and a club sandwich wow. from Paisano's. Wow. And so I still, like, if we have a bad day, like, that's what we order. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the associations of food with emotional experiences. I mean, we don't have to say anything about that. That's going to shed any light on that, I think. You know, I mean, this goes way back. I mean, it's like the first thing you notice when you walk into, you know, a, a place from your, your own history is like the smell of it. It's like, wow, you know, um, and so much of, of food is, is that, you know, that sense of, you know, the, the smell of things. And 
I mean, a lot of neurological stuff happens when when taste and, and smell is activated. You know, all mm-hmm. kinds of delightfully feeling chemicals are released when you eat salty, fatty stuff. And um, habits, man. Habits. Yeah. Um, how do you... Because it, it feels like it. I mean, when when it's like when when it's at the point where it's like, you know what, I'm getting potato chips and, you know, and I'll, you know, I, I wish I could say that this was a decision that I made. It doesn't even feel like that. It feels like you're, it's feel like auto, autopilot. You know, it's like, what am I doing in the giant parking lot? And why do I have half a can of Pringles? <laughs> you know, he regained consciousness halfway through that, you know, the, the Pringles. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know what it is, but um, I don't so- know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So this time of the year, right, for us and for many of the fine colleagues and young people that we work with. A fine institution of higher learning. Right. I think that this can be a period of stress for Mm -hmm. many of us. Mm -hmm. And I think we, you know, so food is one stress habit. Uh, What other stress habits or maybe even end of semester like crunch time habits do you have <laughs> procrastination <laughs> mm-hmm. you know I don't know if that's a habit or it's just avoidance of unpleasant things um the thing I mean we you know if you if you have a job on this earth you know um I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that there are some parts of it that you like and some parts of it that you don't and we're we're coming up very quickly in the part of it that I, I like the least, which is mm. putting a letter next to a kid's name in a in a yeah. spreadsheet, you know, and, and that's by far my least favorite part about it. Because like really all this all of this all the stuff that we've been doing with the students, all this stuff, all the assignments, all the conversations, all the meetings we had, all the topics of this and all the stuff of that and reading the, all of that comes down to what which of five letters do I put next to this student's name? And it's like mm-hmm. I hate that. I just absolutely hate it. Um, it represents so little of what actually happened, and it, it feels gross. It yeah, it feels gross, and it's like it can't come down to this. This can't be. This can't be all that comes of this. And yet, yet you know, yes, yeah, students. What do they want? It's like well, I really want to get an A, and it's like and it's like what do you mean and? Um, yeah. But I mean that's a, a separate conversation to have. But it it as I approach that time, it gets a little increasingly uncomfortable. And I I think there are habits surrounding that that can be um vo- I don't know I don't know if they can be voiced or not. I'm not really sure. Not because they're like salacious or anything. It was like I'm not sure what I do, other than like try to avoid it as long as possible. I, mean, I still have grading to do, as many people do, and I'm not like behind behind. But um, that that whole idea of you know the work that someone you did is going to come down to uh, uh, an evaluation that is somewhat rubriced out. I find. Oh, distasteful um mm-hmm. yet that's what the money is for that's what they pay me to do um i try to mitigate it a bit i mean uh, i do like that the end of the semester is in late april or early may because like at least it's warm outside i can go for a walk um i do as i enter the spring around this time make sure that i don't eat a bunch of crap a lot because mm-hmm. it's like I, I do know that the the better i eat the better i feel the worse i eat the worse i feel the better or worse i sleep um 
the clearer or less clear my thinking is. So, like I said, there's a preponderance of lettuce in the fridge, and that's I think that's partially for a reason. Yeah. You know, because I, I can find the preventative action goes a little bit of a way on me showing up for this the best I can. Because it's inevitable that I will show up for it. I mean, there's a deadline coming up where I got to get grades in. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. So I don't have to worry about that. It's just how do I treat myself the best going into it? Yeah. And um, in, in light of that, e- eating a bag of chips in the car or whatever it might be, um, I, I wonder what it's doing. You know, I wonder what it's doing. Is it that that actually would cause one to pull off to the side of the road and engage in it? It's like we're talking about potato chips here. It's like what's moving through you right now that is uncomfortable enough to make you make the decision to stop what you're doing and eat some Pringles? Yeah. And is, is it not about turning... You know, like the mind on a little bit and thinking your way through this as much as it's about, I'm going to distract myself, <laughs> you know, and I'm going to turn my brain off by eating ooh, Pringles, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. I mean, we could probably do a whole episode on stress eating and right. we might I mean, be. Um, what do you think? <laughs> you know, I don't know. So, I mean, that's my big one. I mean, I don't have like a bunch of habits that, um, that I engage in to, to sort of get me through the day. But I am, a, I, I know I'm a stress eater and I know yeah. that, you know, that, that is a, that might not be the first, but it is an early, early sign, right? Mm-hmm. That the level of anxiety or stress in my life has taken up a little bit is related to the frequency that, um, yeah, that, uh, it, it's related to the quantity of Pringles cans in the empty on the floorboards of the backseat of my car. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Who is it? Four cans. He's at four cans. <laughs> four better get cans. some. Better oh, get no. your. Better get on the cushion, right? Because yeah. you know, you're a four. Use the four can situation. <laughs> not at once. Not at once, right? But you know. Right, but they accumulate. They accumulate, yeah. and when it, when it's when it's stressy enough, they do accumulate. It's yeah. It's interesting. Um, I think this time of year, I'm thinking about maybe not just this time of year, but. Um, you know, I'm thinking about the kinds of habits that I would get into during stressful periods of the semester uh-huh. or whatever job I'm having, right? How I cope with stress um, and how stress coping has looked in the last year, right? Yeah, Versus right. how it looked before. Different. Um, yeah. And, and I think that part of it has to do with the intentionality in which we have to, if you're going to engage with colleagues, it has to be intentional, and so I think in the halls of our office building, it's pretty common, I think, to run into colleagues and have a conversation, uh, run into students and have like informal conversations. Um, everything is so much more, has to be so much more intentional right now. Yeah. And so I am finding that um, my habit has been to be as available as possible um, to mm. my students and my colleagues. And even like, it's not like my students and colleagues are Pringles, but right. That like, 
the open door policy, the constant availability, one of the things I'm noticing is that that is really useful and productive for community building. It is not really useful and productive necessarily for sherry maintenance, even though about a year ago, I would have said that those five, 10 minutes in the hallway with colleagues are what sustained me. Hmm. Sherry maintenance. Sherry maintenance. What is sherry maintenance? Sherry needs a damn break. Hmm. Yeah. Um, like, I think, you know, thinking about habits, I have been in the habit of thinking that taking care of people is literally what I'm on this earth for. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I realize that that, if that is true, which I don't think it is, um, that care should extend to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think I have been in the habit of making myself as available as possible to as many people who seem to need me for the duration of finals. And then what inevitably happens is I go through, go home and I grind through my last round of grading. Yeah. Right. Often um, staying up all night, Yeesh. often with tears because I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. And because the whole end of the semester grading thing feels. It, it's gross. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's gross. gross. It's just. Um, there are so many problems with it. Um, and one of the things that is really clear to me right now is that that version of the end of the semester is not an option for me this year. Mm. Like, I'm just not doing it. Off the table. Off the table. That's a habit that is has been so comfortable, but so painful. And I just don't want to do it this year. Hmm. Was it just sort of assumed that it was just like that every year and that was just the way that it was going to be? Or did you, I, rec- did you recognize that it was happening at the at previously? Or I think I just thought that's what the end of the semester looks like. I didn't know there was another option. Hmm. Right? Um, like, of course I have to be available. But, you know, one of the things I realized is I have been available for 15 weeks. Oh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I you know, I, I don't want to make this all about like Sherry's figuring out how to take care of herself, but well, maybe that's all we're all doing. Well, yeah, it's all we're all doing, you know, is that's, I mean, that's what, that's what stopping at the grocery store and getting a can of pregnant is like, I'm going to try to figure out how to take care of myself. Cause right now it feels like potato chips are the way to go. Right. <laughs> you know, and, uh, it, it, sometimes, you know, Oh, you don't need to eat those potatoes. Why eat potato chips? They're not that great for you. You know, what do you blah, blah, blah. You know, it, this is a sign of stress. You shouldn't, you know, you know, in a lot of times my response is, Hey man, at least it's just potato chips. 
It's like right. that. Like it's, it's not cocaine. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's not. Look, it's it's a can of damn potato chips. It'll be okay, you know. And do I wish that I impulse ate potato chips? Well, not really, you know. But it's not. It's less about the potato chip itself and more of like, ooh, what does it mean if I am an impulse eat potato chips on the side of the road on the way home from work? Back when we used to go to work, you know. Um, right. So it 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 seems to be it's of of impulses one could have. It's one of the less. It's it's one of the less uh, damaging ones. That being said, it's not fruit, yeah. you know. And and part of it, you know, I've I've come to realize is I also really only do this when I'm kind of hungry. So mm-hmm. if I didn't actually eat a solid lunch, or something like that, or eat, eat some actual food, you know, between noon or one, it was a long day in the classroom, and I like just kind of snacked all day. It's like that's usually when it happens. So mm-hmm. it's like. It, it it's less about addressing I think f- for the record do I have this whole thing figured out no I do not okay yeah. so it's like I wouldn't be surprised if potato chips made an appearance again damn you high school um, <laughs> and, the, and the lessons learned there um, it it's less about how do I not stop on the way home and get potato chips and I just have to avert my eyes and put some blinders on and drive fast by the grocery store and, and just sort of power through. Or what are what's the totality of conditions that are leading up to this behavior? Right. You know, is is this one thing? Is it a series of small decisions and this is the result of it? Is it um ooh, potato chips? Is it really just neurological impulse? Because like I said, it's like it, it usually only happens on days when I'm in the classroom a lot, when I snack a lot, when I don't eat solid food that much and I'm kind of hungry and a little bit worn out and kind of tired and don't have the energy to talk myself out of it. That's uh-huh. when it sort of quote unquote happens. Yeah. So, it, you know, I'm thinking about two books that I've read <laughs> related to this. One, well, actually, I don't know if this is the book or so much I listened to it on our podcast, but, you know, Gretchen Rubin has this concept of abstainer versus moderator, Mm -hmm. right? And for a long time, like, um, I didn't eat any, like, breads, pastas, like, carby, you know, foods like that, or sugars. And I managed it by just saying, I'm not a person that eats those. That was super easy. Just like when I was vegetarian. Yeah. I'm not a person that eats meat. And it was fine, right? Um, but then I became um, a person who ate sugar when I was in Paul Fitzgerald's office. Well, don't blame me. Not that I'm blaming yeah. you. <laughs> it's all your fault, Paul. No. But, um, but so one of the things that I know about myself is that I'm a lot better at um, abstaining than I am moderating. But um, oh yeah, other, yeah for sure, for sure. Right, um, but I think other people are not necessarily like that. Um, but I also read this book, uh, "Set Boundaries, Find Peace," and you know, it's largely a book about setting boundaries with other people. But she has a section in there about setting boundaries with yourself and our propensity for self sabotage because we negotiate mm. with our own boundaries for ourselves. Mm. And when I read that section, like that kind of hit me like, like a ton of bricks because it's like, it's so easy to take all the problems you have in life and be like, well, it's about this guy over here and this body. But then when you realize like the calls 
coming from inside yeah, the house. It's not about like, the potato chips, by the way. No yeah. one was in the car with you, Paul, when you stopped by no, and got no, the no, pot- no, no. potato chips. Um, and so one of the points she makes is that we don't keep our own boundaries with our own selves. And part of it is how we talk to ourselves about our boundaries. Like instead of saying, I'm not a person that eats Pringles in my car, we say, I'm going to try and stop eating Pringles in my yeah, car. Right. Right. And it's, right. I mean, it's easier for me to use your example. Of course. Yeah. 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 Um, right. It's pretty easy for me not to eat a club sandwich from. Uh, yeah. Well, like, I can avoid. It, but... You know what's interesting is I can. I can name the number of times that I've eaten Pringles in my car. I can count them. There's one time that I've like done it like you described. Yeah, yeah. And it was when I was driving home from Richmond after getting my uh, my first vaccine. Hmm. Hmm. Seemed like the thing to do. Well, it's like I, I had to spend 15 minutes wandering around the CVS and I was thinking, hmm. well, I need to get some food. I don't really want to go stop somewhere else. I want to get home. I want to be efficient. Right. And then I saw the Pringles. I thought of you and I said, yes. well, you yeah, know. Why not? What, what would Paul do in a time like this? Yeah. What would Paul do? Yeah. Rich Roll, um, who people know that I have a fondness for his podcast, would talk about um, the sustaining versus moderating thing. And it's like he he pretty well known, you know, full on. I say full on like it's serious, like a serious right. affliction, full on vegan, um, full on whole food plant based. And he said if he's learned anything in this, with with his own life is that if he tries to moderate it and just like eat less, it's not going to work out. You right. know, his life is a life of slippery slopes. And it's like once once you sort of break the seal, <laughs> he's going to go on a meat bender or, or, you know, so it's like, you know, I just can't, you know, it's it's got to be mm-hmm. it's got to be abstinence, or it's like he's not gonna he's not gonna it's not gonna work out the way that he wants it to, and not because it's like he has this ominous feeling about it. It's like he's been down that path more times, yeah. You know, than than you can count, and it's like I I'm, I, I I it's not like you know that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I it's like I resonate with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm either gonna because it's like if I if I start bringing meat into my diet or or whatever, then it's like well, all bets are off now. And next thing I know, I'll, you know, I'll have a half a cow in my freezer. Um, and how, who do you want to be? And you know, I think I think those kind of life choice decisions like that are probably a little bit different than these. You know, what are the what are, what are our stress habits that we engage in? But one represents kind of a long-term perspective on kind of who do you want to be and the other one like you started this you know mm-hmm. recording you know the other one more the more the what do we do when we're stressed out and what behaviors do we engage in sometimes thinking about them sometimes not thinking about them it really is what's going on inside the house you know the calls going on coming from inside the house nobody's making me eat potato chips fun fact if somebody else was in the car i wouldn't do it right you know one of the things, situations that this does require for me to engage in this insidious behavior of eating Pringles in my car is being alone. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody else was there, I wouldn't do it. So it's right. like these, it, so that's not the big one that was like, ooh, I'm alone. I'm going to get potato chips. It's, you know, it, it seems to be related to am I hungry and am I tired? Yeah. You know, and that's how oftentimes how it would come out. And, so what can I do? It's like, ah, 
I, th- I think the first step is, yeah, this happens when I'm hungry and tired at the end of the day. I don't get Pringles on the way to work. I don't get, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, I, it's, it's always on the way home, you know, and I could do well if I, if I went this other way home, I went past by the grocery store and I wouldn't do it. It's like, that's bullshit. That's a bullshit response. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I don't buy that. Um, it, if it wasn't that, it'd be somewhere else. I wouldn't stop at Giant, I'd stop at Safeway, you know, and right. do the same damn thing. Um, for me, it's, you know, how do I prevent that condition at the right. time? And, and it's like, take a break for a minute and, and have actual, eat, eat actual food. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I mean, so, you know, it's amazing the kinds of things like when we're hungry and tired, like those are real like human needs that you can't get away from. Right. right? Like right. you can't outrun hungry and tired. Um, but one of the unique properties I think of hungry and tired is that they don't act alone. Right. Yeah. So like when you're hungry and tired, like the body likes to, if you're not paying attention to those two needs, it will shine a light on some other need, right? Just yeah, to try totally. to get your attention. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, you know, um, you know that last night I didn't sleep well, so I've been pretty tired most of the day. Uh-huh. Um, and it's so, it's so amazing the kinds of things that you can think are wrong with you. The, the kinds of needs that you can think you have when if you like really run through like the needs inventory, yeah. you might discover, you know, do I need connection? No. Um, do I need spontaneity? No. Um, do I need um, meaning? No. I need a nap. Yeah. Like that, that is what I need. Um, but I feel like all kinds of other things. Like I feel distressed and I feel like, I mean, not really, I'm fine. But, but you know, when I'm tired, a lot of times I can have these really dramatic thoughts and feelings. And then I can go to bed and say, how do I feel now? Oh, yeah, it's all fine. That's I'm just fine, tired. Yeah. Right? Yeah, um, or we can be on and... Um, I think you know that there's like a witching hour where I start to get hungry. Yeah. yeah. In which like you should let me go as soon as possible yeah. or I will make up some drama between us. Yeah. Because right. do I need to fight with Paul or do I need a sandwich? Right. I need a sandwich. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and if, you know, when, when I, it's like once, once this, these patterns are recognized and you look back on them, you can bring new wisdom to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it, it, being, being, being a scientist, right. The resident scientist on this podcast, I guess, um, if I had to engineer a set of circumstances within a human that would increase the odds of them stopping on the way home and eating some potato chips, what would I do? It's like, well, I would put them on their feet all day. Um, I would kind of wear them out physic- a little bit physically and a little bit mentally. Um, I would make it so they didn't uh, eat too much substance, substantive things during the day. I'd probably load them up with caffeine in the morning. Uh-huh. Um, and then I would get it late in the afternoon um, after being on feet for a lot of day. And I would say, okay, go ahead and drive a half an hour home on back roads. Uh-huh. You know, not interstate or anything like that. And I guarantee 90% of the time you're going to get some potato chips on the way home. Because <laughs> it's like, 
Um, a, a quick jolt of energy, so some carbohydrates, some, some something that releases a lot of neurological, you know, stuff that feels good. Salt is always good for that. One nice texture, something crunchy. You just kind of sit down in your car for ten minutes. It's like it engineers itself. It's like, of course, it's potato chips. How? What else could it be? You know, mm-hmm. so it's like if I want to try to engineer a situation on somebody else to to increase the odds of that happening, it's like that would definitely it's like it checks every damn box. It yeah. checks every box. It's like, of course, you're stopping to get in. You know, this can't be too much of a surprise, you know. So in my own remediation of that, you know, it's like, well, you know, I'm trying to, you know, I might lose a couple of pounds. My dad, you know, heart disease runs in my family. He had his first mm-hmm. heart attack eight years from the age I am now. You know, um, and he lived his life very differently than I live mine mm-hmm. in innumerable ways. You know, um, he didn't get a lot of exercise. He didn't eat particularly healthy. He did have a job that he really didn't love. And I mean, there are parts of my job slash your job that are stressy that you, you find icky that you don't like. But all things considered, you know, hey, man, it's a pretty sweet gig. You know, I I can say more good about it than, than bad, I think. Yeah. I mean, so, well, so, you know, and so it's like, I do need to pay attention to what I put in my, you know, I do need to pay attention to my diet. I should, you know, should I be, I, you know, I, hypertension runs in the family. I probably do need to think about my salt and take a little bit. I don't need to be right. doing this. So what do I need to do in order to shut this down? I don't know. Eat solid food around one. Yeah. You, <laughs> you know, know. Eat, eat, you know, make sure that my, my food needs are cared for. My rest needs are cared for. I'm, yeah. the, I'm really reinvigorated. I'll go right home and eat a salad. Right. Well, so it's really interesting. I um I have played with my teaching schedule so many ways since we started teaching. Um well, since I started teaching, not since you started teaching. Your teaching schedule has nothing to do with how right, I teach. Right. Um but I know when I first started working at the college, it was pretty typical that no one taught on Fridays. Yeah. Um, you know, it was like a Monday. Ghost Thursday town. Thing. Yeah, it'd be ghost town. Mm-hmm. But that would mean um, that you would teach three class for me because I right. teach five classes. Right. Um, that would mean that I taught three classes on one day. Um, and there was kind of a campus culture that um, or maybe departmental culture that you wanted to get on campus, teach all your classes so you could go home as soon as possible. Right. And I think there were a right. lot of right. reasons for that. You know, a lot of people have kids and you know, blah, 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 long commutes, things like that. And then at some point I realized like that structure wasn't working for me. Hmm. Um, so then I tried another schedule where I was doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday classes. Um, but I would teach four of them right in a row. Boom, boom, boom. Wow. Torture. And wow. what all of these schedules had in common was I, I never asked for a lunch break because Again, high school habits died hard. Yeah, I didn't right. need to eat in high school. Why would I need to eat now? Um, so I guess a couple of years ago, I started re- requesting that I not teach during the hour of lunch. Um, mm. Because I thought I should eat. Um, and my husband started packing my lunch every day. Nice, nice. So peanut yes. butter and jelly sandwich, piece of fruit, a couple of cookies, right? I mean, yeah, kind of. Ham and sometimes. cheese, sand- ham and cheese um, sandwich. Some Eric tuna. Spiegel makes a damn good lunch, y'all. I bet he does. I bet he does. Um, and breakfast and dinner and coffee, snacks and coffee everything. Afraid. But um, a fine focaccia bread. Um, but 
even now, like that we're in um, the, you know, the home environment, one of the things that I realized is true is I don't like to teach before 930. Yeah. I do not. I need a lunch break. Um, and I like to have my teaching wrapped up by two o'clock hmm. um, so that I can be in the classroom bringing the best version of myself. Yeah. Um, tired pigeons do not great teachers make. No. Mm-hmm. Um, no. So in the fall, um, allegedly, my schedule is going to be such that I will have I will teach one class a day and they'll be hybrids. Um, but you know, I used to do this thing where I tried to pack all my work into two or three days and then like, I'd be so exhausted from like three classes in one day that the next day I would just have to like sleep it off. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so instead I would just rather, uh, go to work and do my job daily. Yeah. I don't know if that's something, uh, yeah, I, I question those um, the mindset of that myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, if I could teach everything on one, if I could teach my entire teaching load on one day, then I'll have six days. I was like, no, you won't. You won't have six days. You know, what are you, what are you doing in that? In the rest of those days, you're gallivanting around the French Riviera. No, you're not. <laughs> you're trying to recover from teaching for twelve consecutive hours on one day. You know, and right. I think thinking that the last of those is, is the same quality as the first one is. It's like, why do it? Why do it? You know, um, it, if the objective is to punish yourself as much as you can to get everything done in one day, you, so you can be free of it for the remaining six or four or whoever you sort of count your, your days in the week. I would question whether or not that is the right job for you. Mm-hmm. I would question whether this is the right job for you. Um, if you don't like what you're doing, might I offer that you entertain the possibility that something else might be a, a, an alternative that might mm-hmm. suit your needs and your wants a little bit more meaningfully? Yeah. That's at some point I realized that my goal should not be to be coming home from work. Yeah, to be gone. Yeah, to be gone from the, to mm-hmm. not be there. Yeah. Um, like I wanted to live a life every day where I would get up and look forward to the work that I got to do for the day. And I think that this relates to another habit that, you know, I think we're probably most people are guilty of is like, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast before, this idea of living for the weekend, right? Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking that everybody's working for the weekend. I think if one of the habits we're in is complaining about our work, the people we work with, uh, the nature of our job, if that's the habit, aren't there some questions to ask? I believe there may be. Yeah, there could be. Yeah, And part of it is like what I've been thinking a lot about what role complaining actually serves because you know it's like this idea of venting and gossiping um it's just like the pringles it it might feel good in the minute yeah like it's satisfying some need right it's a thing to do that addresses something you know yeah it doesn't energize like i've never vented to someone and then felt like i'm ready to do some more work um, but it's so habitual, like, 
Yeah, how would you, you know, say you feel after you vent? If if not, um, who? I feel icky. Hmm. You know, like I often feel like I wasted time with with a loved one bitching when I could have like my favorite thing in the world is banter. And venting and banter don't go together. They don't. Venting and banter are very different from each other. Right, because venting is monologuing. Um, and so banter is light and enjoyable, but venting is, please hold while I tell you all my problems. Right, 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 right. Um, so what do you think, like, what function does venting play? In our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I do it a lot. Like before I like sound like I'm on this high horse. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, you know I'm a I think I think <laughs> I think the next season opener that we do, we we just seem to say, Look, we're not saying we got any of this stuff figured out, right? We're just talking through some possibilities here. You know? We're gonna change the uh, podcast title to this most unbelievable life in progress. Yeah, yeah. This most unbelievable list of things that we do all the time that we you know that uh, we try to encourage folks to question um yeah that's how we that's so why, why we... we're experts right we <laughs> we, we live so intimately every single thing that we you know right and sometimes it's unbelievable how we do the yeah, things like, we don't want to it's, do it's unbelievable that we're still doing this after so much so long how are we still doing this why are there still cans of pringles in my car if i got it all figured out for christ's sakes right um, um so you know again the disclaimer we do not saying that we have all the answers that we have we all this not. stuff figured out right yeah. um but, but yeah 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 so what is it what is it doing because i mean i do it too everyone does I, right I, I i hope that's true maybe it's not you know i'm sure there are some folks out there that have it all figured out or at least have that figured out i, I don't think i'm one of them i think i vent a lot less now than i did mm-hmm. um and i think that's probably because of what venting does and some work that I've done between then and now to to address a lot of this. And, you know, what does is, what is venting do? You know, it, it does feel, it, it's like anger. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it feels good in the moment, but how does it feel after? Yeah. Um, less, less so, less so. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've never once done it where I looked back and, and thought that that time could have been spent more productively doing something else. So what does it do it for? You know, it's 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 a release of something. It can be a release of something that has been building within you, whether consciously or unconsciously, mm-hmm. that may or may not be aware of it, that wants to be expressed in one way or another. It's it's. You mentioned something earlier that I wrote down because I wanted to circle back to it. Um, and you know, you've done so much work um, studying nonviolent communication, and lately. Uh, that you're you you get to this point this is not you the Jill. this is you dr spiegel you know you (laughs) you throw that you throw these phrases out here like we all know what you're talking about um the needs inventory what is this so it's like because you know when when it you knew i was going to come back to that because when when we um think about what what is venting you know what is ranting you know what is this monologuing of complaining doing it's there's something that that is is needed that is not being addressed, a need that is unmet, and mm-hmm. the vol- the volcano when pressure builds will erupt. And you know this may feel like it's a short term release of of pressure or right. a frustration, whether it's appropriate or not. It, 
you know, clearly whatever it is that's building up inside you that is frustrating is not being directly addressed by complaining about it by the copy machine to right. a colleague, right? So yeah, it, it, I mean, unless it's community or camaraderie that you're lacking and then maybe it does, you know, because right. at least you're having a shared experience, albeit a miserable one well, or an unproductive so one. I think now that we're, you know, getting deeper into it, I think the the term itself kind of points to the function it fi- feel, vent, vent fills, vent, right? Yeah. It's volcano, literally... Volcano, vol- volcanoes vent. Yes. They call it a volcanic vent for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So we're, we're letting off steam. And I think the reason that we do that is to help us complete the stress cycle. And I think that the stress cycle is something I learned about in the book Burnout. And I think it's incredibly important to understand. Like, so throughout your day, you are going to experience stressors and your body as a result experiences stress. And then once that happens, you are like it or not in the stress cycle and you have to complete the stress cycle. So I think venting is a way to let off that steam to, to move through the cycle but the part of the issue is you let out the pressure, but you don't change the conditions. Right. right. And so then that same pressure just builds up again. And then you just keep doing it and you keep doing it. And that's why um, in the Set Boundaries Find Peace book, one of the things she talks about um, is the difference between venting, problem solving, and ruminating. And I think when venting becomes habitual, it becomes rumination and there's no progress made. You're, no. you're not solving no. problems. You're staying in the comfort of complaint. But you asked me about the needs inventory. Yeah, yeah, the needs inventory. So I'm taking um, a nonviolent communication class and there are a lot of different places that one could go to learn about nonviolent communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and within the world of nonviolent communication, um, part of what one is working on is observing what's happening, identifying feelings, um, locating needs, and then um, working on making a request that's based upon the observation, the feeling, the need, and what you would like to see moving forward. Mm. Um, so the there is a list, and I think I've seen a lot of lists of feelings in the past. Right, right. You right, know, right. because we're not all especially good at identifying what our feelings are. Um, but the Center for Nonviolent Communication also has a needs list. And so one of the things that I think is magical about this inventory is it breaks down universal needs um, and gives us the opportunity to um, see the fact that whatever we're feeling could be related to a need that's not met mm-hmm. or it could be that whatever we're feeling is connected to a need that is met, right? Like I think the feelings that you and I had after the first podcast we did yeah, indicated that this podcast met a need. Yeah, for sure. And that's why yeah, we sure. keep doing it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's what the inventory is. It, it, I think it's, it's a tool to help people articulate um, what are the needs of, of a human um, so that they can both identify them within themselves, um, but also try to identify them within people they're 
uh, in relationship with. Right. Right. There's this other, I was just thinking about this um, just now. I mean, there's this other um, approach, approach technique, I, I guess, mm-hmm. um, called focusing. And, you know, we've talked about focusing a little bit as well. You yeah. know, um, I'm not sure what the origin of the word is. I mean, I'm not sure why it's referred to as this um, focusing, but I, that's something that could be found out. Or is discovered. it an acronym? I, 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 don't, I don't think it is. I don't think yeah. it is. Um, but a big part of it is is could be very complementary towards a, a nonviolent communication approach with inventories of needs and inventories of feelings, where you know rather than saying you know I I'm angry I'm sad I'm whatever it, it it's sort of this reframing of something inside me, you know is is feeling is something inside me is mm-hmm. I'm noticing that something inside me is feeling like it's content I'm noticing that there's contentment within you know it's like mm-hmm. it it's more of a focus there you go mm-hmm. i guess on on paying attention to what is what's going on inside without identifying with it it's a non-identification yeah right of it you know where you're like you're not anger you know it's like i'm, I'm feeling some anger right now you mm-hmm. know and just kind of that slight the tiniest little reframing just that slight little you know that slight little reframing of those words allows yeah. for investigation you know it's yeah like, it's not like I'm, you know, you and it's like the the first the first step that I oftentimes takes with people is you made me angry, you know, and it's like you have literally given every single bit of your power away. Then if 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 that's how you're if that's how you're wording it, if that's how you're feeling, if that's how I'm seeing it, you know, it's like Sherry, I give you the ability to make me angry or not angry, and and I trust you with it. It's like oh no, oh no, it's like that can't we can't do this this way, you know? It's like. It, it it takes that I mean even going going from that far of an extreme of this person makes me happy this person makes me angry this person makes me kind of whatever you know is is one of the most disempowering things that mm-hmm. I can think of for, for yeah. an approach for, for someone to take and um, it's like let's start by reframing you know let, let's at least take some response because like let's take some responsibility for what we're feeling and mm-hmm. let's and let's find out what those words might be. So it's not, hey, Doctor Spiegel, you're making me angry. It's like, huh? Why am I feeling angry? Why am I feeling some anger right now? Is this really mm-hmm. Sherry or not? That's no, not all right. Cool. This, you know, who knows, right? But at least it, it it opens the door for some investigation. And then it's like, what? And and then go, you know, what am I feeling? What do I need? Right? Is this an unmet need? What's really going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And it's, you know, I I really like the focusing as well, because I think when I was first introduced to that, one of the big things for me is I've always identified with my anxiety, like I am anxious. Anxious, yeah. And so if I am anxious, I I, I can't be other things like joyful or intelligent. I am just my anxiety. And so when you switch it to something in me is anxious. Yeah. Yeah. But makes, what else? Yeah, and it makes you it makes you bigger than what you're feeling. Exactly. You know, it's like yeah. I am anxious. It's like you're enveloped in a cloud of anxiety. It's like, no wonder you feel helpless. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's bigger than it's bigger than you. At least at least, embiggen, embiggen. Mm-hmm. That's a Simpsons, right? Yeah, in, I said that word yesterday. Yeah, actually, embiggen yourself to be able to contain these things. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, but it you know the habit. Um, shrinking ourselves down to the the loudest emotion 
is a habit, right? Yeah, like we get in the habit yeah, of over identifying with a feeling. Um, and I mean, feelings, you know, you can't deny them, you know, they want to be witnessed. Yeah, totally. But they don't have to own you. And one of the things in my nonviolent communication training that's been really interesting is paying attention to how we even use the words like when we say I feel right. um, like, right. you know, if you say I feel and the next word is a feeling word, cool, cool. But if you say I feel and the next word is like or that, uh, there's a good chance that um, where you're going isn't isn't necessarily closer to identifying needs and feelings. It's might be headed towards judgment. It might be head, headed towards blame. Right, right. Right. I feel like you're making me angry. Right. I feel right. like you should. Mm, no. Try something else. Take the, take the, you know, the call is coming from within the house. Yeah. Answer it there. Yeah. You know, um, if you're talking about how you feel and the word you, is even stated it's like is that the right way to do this you know yeah. <laughs> why not just yeah. say i am feeling a little bit yeah. of this you know something inside me feels kind of, uh. yeah you know it could be you said this i'm feeling this that can be okay that can right. be okay you know but it's it it takes this you made me blah 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 it's like it takes you have taking responsibility for what you're feeling yeah and um you know owning, within, and owning it you know like take, right Right. Well, and I think part of it is separating, um, separating the, the I and the you, right? Like, I feel this, I need this. You feel something else. Or maybe you feel the same thing, yeah. but like your feelings are yours. That's They're for you there. though. Yeah, that's for you though, whatever. You know, and um, the teacher that I'm working with, uh, Mara Light, she uses this analogy and she might have gotten it from uh, Marshall Rosenberg who wrote the... Um, the mindful, uh, nonviolent communication book. Um, you know, she talks about, you know, if, if I, if like the, the check engine light on my car goes off, I'm not going to tell you that it's because of something happening in your car. Yeah. Right. Right. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Um, but for some reason, if my personal Sherry check engine light goes on, it's very easy to be like, yeah. oh, it's because of what Paul's doing over yeah, there. Yeah, that Honda Civic is making my Ford Escape engine light go on. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So you got to tend to what's under your own hood. What a good analogy that is. Isn't it? That's perfect. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. Yeah, it's a great class. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. But what, it, you know, it's... I think that there's a lot of material out there about habits, right? Like how to create good habits, how to not eat Pringles in your car, right? Yeah, like, right, right, um, right. but so much of it just starts right with like, are we in the habit of identifying our feelings and our needs? Are we in the habit of participating in activities that are comforting, but are not helpful? Yeah, those the consuming said chips in one's car did not move my existence in any particular direction 
where it is more uh, meaningful than it had previously been. You know, you don't like, think the, Pringles have contributed to your enlightenment? <laughs> to my largesse? No, I don't. You know, it's like no. I, I think uh, I don't think they've contributed to my enlightenment, right? Um, I think if nothing else, right, there are a flashing yellow light, not necessarily a red one. I mean, there are other activities that could be red lights. Like I said, at least I'm just eating potato chips, you know, um, and I don't get the huge bag. I just get the well, the can, but there's not as many, as many Pringles in the can as you'd think. Um, or you'd hope, I would say. Uh, and only get one. <laughs> if this says buy one, get one free. It's like, no, no, no. Just get the, get, just get the one. Yeah. And they'll be like, but you get two. Um, I'll get my you know, at the else. CVS, they have smaller cans. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. For some reason, I've never gotten those. Um, and, uh, I mean, that can, again, right, if, if, if we bring a mindful attitude to this and pay attention a little bit it can at least let us know that you know there's there's something going on that might be worth investigating i mean if if during the course of your day you do actually feel powerless i think again something that you are engaged in that you're that you're transpired in you know um, especially when it's like no there's nobody in this car with me it's like no i didn't have to stop and get wrinkled this is clearly 100% something going on in, you know, in, in my existence that has engineered this outcome or yeah. at least the odds of it. You know, it, it, it's cool. You know what? You don't need to beat yourself up. It's fine. We're not looking for judgment here. You can just like bypass totally the entire self-judgment side of this if you would like to. I would actually encourage it. It's like, mm-hmm. dude, no harm, no foul. It was a can of chips. Awesome what's going on right pay attention it's like take take notes it's like right. um keep some sticky notes it's like when when does this happen it's like well it's thursday and i teach okay cool there we go you should more um now. not to should you but you should treat the pringles cans like a message in the bottle like uh anytime you have one you should write a little note and tuck it in there about like what was going on yeah, and then you right. can do a little message ceremonially discard it into the recycle bin yeah and look for trends and see yeah yeah it's interesting well and i think the other thing you know with that kind of impulse is a lot of times it is habitual like right it's not like you go to the parking lot and you have pringles or snickers or like it's the one thing right yeah Yeah. and and so if it's a habit that makes sense because it it's what your brain knows is like a trusted and true strategy. So for me, like, you know, I'm trying not to be a human who eats sugar again, but sugar is often the first thing I think of. And so one of the things I've been trying to work through is, "Uh uh-huh, brain, cool, cool. What else you got in there? What What other brilliant ideas do you have? You came up with this one. Let's, let's see what else you got. Right. And for me, for me, a lot of times, like, a bubble bath can accomplish the same um, the same need or the same, uh, like, it scratches the same itch, I guess. Yeah. Um, and yet, when I'm done, I feel clean and I smell good. And, you know, I don't wake up feeling, um, you know, my, my joints get inflamed when I eat sugar. Mm. So I have a different experience. Yeah, right. Um, right. So it's it, um, bringing curiosity to the habits we don't like. Like, okay, that's one option. What else do we got? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Cool. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, it, one habit I really like. What? I'm in a habit of recording a podcast with you yeah, about once ha- a week. Yeah, that's a fun habit. Mm-hmm. habit. What were you going to say? Oh, oh, I was just going to say, um, it, I don't stress eat when I'm hungry. Sorry, I, I don't stress eat when I'm not hungry. Yeah. You know? Um, For best results, feed your Paul. Yeah, feed, yeah. Like actual food. It's like, no, I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's always... Ooh, long day out, driving around, doing this kind of stuff, whatever. And it's like, oh, I'm kind of hungry. It's like, uh, you know, I don't make the best choices when I'm hungry. You know? And so, I mean, how do I then transition this? This might be a different podcast into a lived experience where I enact these <laughs> these principles. That seems to be the elusive one as well. But I think you got to do the former before you do the latter. So get your butt on the cushion you see what's mm-hmm. ticking in there and and that's where the mindfulness practice for me has really paid off um every 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 um addressing or redressing or whatever of a way of being that i had had previously that has been addressed has come from some time on the cushion yeah. which is practice on this it's practice on refer what am i feeling right now mm-hmm. what am i feeling right now it's like what's going on oh i'm feeling that what happens if i just sat there and did nothing what would happen it's like oh interesting oh it went away Ooh, it's like yeah, it's still there it's like oh yeah i need to do something about it. you know mm-hmm. um let's take the temperature let's do a diagnostic on the car and see what see how it's running you yeah know? And the best way to do that is to calm one's senses as best one can you know give oneself the engineer to out you know the sort of environmentally engineered odds of something interesting happening all you have to do in order to engineer those odds of something interesting happening is sit on a cushion and focus on your breath it's almost guaranteed it'll fire up i'm doing this trauma sensitivity course Mm -hmm. right and um one of the we can wrap this up in in a in a minute you know but one of the things which you know just kind of reminded me is like meditation oftentimes starts with this focusing on the breath as as Mm -hmm. as a doorway you know, as a, as a, as a path towards, so what do we actually do when I'm on this cushion? It's like, well, you focus on your breathing, breathing in, breathing out, you know, and it's, it's been argued and demonstrated and, and investigated that no, there's no activity that you can do more likely to trigger um, some of the most uncomfortable feelings you might have than focusing on breath. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, if there's, if there's a, if there's trauma there, Focusing on breath is the most likely thing, meditative practice you can do to bring it to the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's other alternatives as well. So, will, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I will say that is true to my experience. Yeah, there, there's other stuff too you can do, right? So, and when you, when you hear it, it's like you can focus on the felt sense of, of you know, you're, you're sitting, the temperature of the room, sounds, mon- something mantra-based, you know, fire up a, an incense stick aromatherapy diffuser and use, you know, the uh, aromas of lemongrass or whatever it might be, um, to, <laughs> you know, uh, as, as a grounding device to go, you know. And this is not to say never focus on breathing. It's like that'll that's that's kicking the tire. Yeah. You know, breathing will, will kick the tire. So it, it, it works well for me. Um, it other people's experiences are different. Mm-hmm. As, as a place to start right so it's like every time i start focusing my breath all this trauma starts coming up it's like yeah let's talk there's other stuff mm-hmm. there's other stuff yeah too. something about yeah. breathing 
it's like digging in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, I think the more time you spend on the cushion, the more you can experiment, right? And so you might be in the habit of trying one thing and having a certain kind of experience. And then what happens if you try something different? Um, and I think depending on where my anxiety is, um, I don't experience anxiety in the same way that I used to. Um, but there are times when I am challenged more with it than I am at other times. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, and so when I'm navigating that space, one of the things I know is I can focus on my breath, but I damn well better have my eyes open. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and, uh, and if it's real bad, like, um, I'm going to have a candle and for some reason watching, uh, the candle flame. And I don't know if it's cause I'm a fire sign or what, but, uh, that little flame flickering on. Yep. Has a way of like letting me ease into it. Yeah. And yeah. that might go down back to the dawn of human civilization and the comfort that comes from sitting around the fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So, ah, curiosity about habits. Yeah. There's fertile ground. Indeed. <laughs> For all sorts of exploration there, you know, and I think the place to start is recognizing that they're habits. Yeah. Absolutely. Acknowledging them. It's like, no, it's cool. I got this habit. Yeah. You know, it's the first step. I mean, I'm not going to, it's like the first step is admitting that you, like, we don't need yeah. to make it quite so onerous as that. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that empty, in, empty Pringles can on the floorboards of my car don't lie. So. Right? Yeah. Well, and once you, once you can, I mean, this is where, like, you know, the nonviolent communication stuff often begins with observation, right? Like, yeah, so once right. you can observe it, you can start naming it, and then you can start strategizing about it. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, probably, I don't know, six months, maybe even a year ago, I noticed that approximately every 21 days, I was picking a fight with someone I loved. Hmm. Curious. Uh Lucky for Paul, it was usually either him or my husband. Yeah. Um, right. And Eric was just like, thank God for Paul. It takes the stress off right. me. Right. <laughs> um, but then once I saw it happening, I could be like, okay, is that the habit we want to persist with? Right, 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 right. What's leading to 21-day fights? Yeah. Yeah, so interesting. Alas. Alas. Cool. Awesome. Um, so I'm curious about what other folks observe when they pay attention to, to habits and, mm-hmm. you know, what happens when we try to bring some curiosity and some interest into uncovering them, mm-hmm. you know, and getting down to the root cause or something kind of more yeah. like that. But, and which habits are comfortable but not productive? You know what? I got an active lifestyle. You know, the calories in a can of Pringles. It's not like I sit there and eat the whole thing in one go, you know. Um the calories aren't the thing. I just don't need, I don't, it's like, why am I eating all this salt? I know where this goes. You know, hypertension runs in my family. I've had my own personal history with it. It's like, I don't need all the salt, you know? Yeah. And that's not to say that, you know, low salt Pringles are then <laughs> therefore going to be fine, right? Uh, but yeah. it's like, I, I know that this behavior is not, you know, that this habit isn't the best for me, yet it persists sometimes. And there are conditions around why that is. 
I would be interested to do an analysis of this episode to see how many times a can of Pringles was mentioned. Yeah, right. right. Um, and the other thing that I really want to do this afternoon is to not have a club sandwich and yeah, half a right. can of Pringles for dinner. Yeah, yeah. This episode was brought to you by Pringles. <laughs> <laughs> right. This episode was not brought to you by Pringles, right? No, it was not. But, uh, it was brought now. to you by high school lunch yeah right um mm-hmm. and all the and all the good habits that dietary habits that they that they that in, in, brought brought to us indeed government wow. cheese all right cool mm, uh, good one cool <laughs> government cheese um let's talk again soon about this and other interesting topics and uh we're almost done so woohoo yeah we're almost done with uh this semester and oh i was gonna say with what the podcast yeah, right. are we no, done you the, breaking you know, up with me here <laughs> <laughs> Entree to summer is around the corner. So indeed, yeah. Take care, cool. Doctor Spiegel. Yeah, I'll talk to you yeah. soon. Thanks, Paul. Bye, everybody. Have a great day. Bye. This podcast is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and this most unbelievable life. For more information please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. Paul and Sherry have a podcast. Paul and Sherry podcast, yes. Yes. Yes.